Amen. As you guys pray. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Kids, head on back to the back. All right, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, but we'll be in Ephesians, Romans, and 1 Corinthians. All right, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we will start. Good morning. We are continuing our series, Rooted. Uh, kicked this thing off somewhere a few, uh, a few weeks ago, back in June. Uh, kind of taking us through the summer. It'll keep us going all the way through uh, Labor Day. And we're looking at the underpinnings, kind of the, the roots of what we see here on Sunday mornings, what we do here as a church. We've talked about the nature of the church. We've talked about the goal of the church. We've talked about baptism. We've talked about Lord's Supper. We've talked about uh, the Bible and preaching. That's what we talked about last week. And again, we're just kind of looking around whenever you walk in on a Sunday morning, whenever you're part of one of our gatherings, we're walking around, looking around saying, hey, why do we do that thing right there? What, why do we do that? What, what, why did we choose that, what, what we did? So today we're going to talk about something that all of you saw when you walked in, that since you've been here this morning, you have, uh, you have seen, you saw when you checked in your kids, uh, you saw when you fixed yourself some uh, coffee, uh, something that we all saw, but I'm going to bet almost none of you noticed. Almost none of you noticed what was happening. And what you saw was ministry. In some form or fashion, ministry is what is happening all around us this morning. It's what is happening uh, here in this place. It's what's happening uh, as I am speaking. It's what was happening whenever you came in this morning. Uh, it's what's happening in these classrooms behind me and out there. Uh, it's what's happening uh, all around us this morning. Another way that you might say this is what we saw is that people were using their spiritual gifts. That would be the lingo, the terminology that we have talked about. And this morning, that's what we're, we're going to talk about. Spiritual gifts. So we're going we're gonna to talk about what that means, what that looks like. In November of 2004, George W. Bush uh, stood to give his acceptance speech on winning re-election to the presidency. And he opened uh, with these re remarks. And this is his quote. There's an old saying, do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to to your task. I don't know where he got that quote from. I don't know that old uh, saying where he got it, but it does a great job of framing our, uh, our topic here today, namely this, what is a spiritual gift anyway? What is a spiritual gift? Is it this like supernatural task or ability, like when you become a Christian, whenever the Spirit indwells you, you become like Christian superhero? And you get like this special power, you know, you're like, we're, we're all like the Avengers that assemble, like everybody's got their own thing, and you get that whenever you become a Christian? Is that what we're talking about whenever we talk about spiritual gifts? Like, are we, are we, are we like kind of given these special powers, and everybody has their own unique special powers, and then we somehow uniquely fit together? Is that what we mean whenever we say uh, spiritual gifts? This question 
of tasks versus, uh, versus uh, powers, if you want to use that uh, framework from that quote, uh, is, is a good framework for us. Because the question is, is that what we're dealing with? Gifts, powers, uh, abilities, talents, or are we dealing with something else? Which one better represents Paul's view of spiritual gifts? As Paul uh, explains these in his letters to the churches, how does Paul talk about spiritual gifts? And how Paul talks about it, that will frame the rest of the conversation for us. And I'll, I'll be honest, when it comes to so many things in Christianity and church life, there are a lot of compli- complicated things to consider. There are a lot of complicated, complex issues, very profound and deep theological things to work through. But the older I get, the more uh, kind of experience I get as a pastor, the more I read my Bible, the more convinced I am that we make a lot of things way more difficult than they have to be. That we frame things and talk about things in a way that creates tons of controversy and tons of arguments when really that's all we're really looking for. Because it makes us sound smart if we can take a side and we can kind of promote that side. And I think we, think we, we make things just more complicated than they have to be. Now, to be clear, I think the discussion on spiritual gifts can kind of fit in both of those. There are parts of uh, discussion about spiritual gifts that are complex, that it's hard to understand what Paul is talking about. It's hard to understand what it is that he is getting at, and, and frankly, it would require a whole sermon series for me to parse out those complicated things. I'm not going to talk about tongues and prayer languages and uh, the miraculous gifts. They're all miraculous, but I'm not going to talk about the ones that are like, you know, kind of really get, get us all charged up whenever we have this. So if you're like, oh, good, we're going to talk about the controversial stuff today. I'm sorry to disappoint, but I want to get that out of the way right up top here. We're not going to work through that because it would, it would frankly take a lot of time. And it would take a lot. It's just outside the scope of what I'm trying to do here uh, in these sermons. There are definitely some nuanced and complicated things whenever you talk about spiritual gifts. But on the whole... I think we've taken something that Paul saw as a pretty straightforward and simple thing and turned it into this super confusing and frankly very limiting thing. I think Paul saw spiritual gifts as something that should empower us and free us to care for one another. And instead we've turned it into this thing where like, it's all about knowing ourselves and finding out what our spiritual gift is so that we can exercise that spiritual gift and be blessed in some certain way. And I think we just, we've made it something it was never meant to be. And I think we have missed out on what God had for us whenever these, whenever he, he the, the, the Spirit empowered Paul to write these things. And I think because we have missed out on what God has for us, we've missed out on a lot of joy. We've missed out on a lot of joy because we just made it more complicated than it's supposed to be. So Ephesians chapter 4, in the Bible you have three primary places, three to four primary places where Paul lists the spiritual gifts. These are the go-to passages if you want to say, here are all the spiritual gifts, these are your go-to passages. But each time, I think it probably reads a little bit differently than you might expect if you go into it looking for the kind of traditional way that we talk about spiritual gifts. Just out of curiosity, how many people at some point in their church life have taken a spiritual gifts inventory? Show of hands. 
All right, so that's a lot of you. If you want to find one, you can go find one all over the internet. It'll be right next to the Enneagram test and right next to the uh, Myers-Briggs and right next to the Strengths Finder and right next to anything else that makes you like ask questions about yourself that you halfway honestly answer, probably dishonestly answer like more how you wish they were true than how they actually are. But all of those things are available. You can go find those. If you would like to go take a spiritual gifts inventory, um, I cards on the table up front again. I don't know if it's super helpful, uh, but maybe it would be a little bit helpful. I've taken plenty of those uh, during my time in the church. Um, But if you've taken one of those, what you know happens is you answer these questions, and then what it does is it gives you a list of abilities and talents. And it says, these are your spiritual gifts. So if that's how we talk about spiritual gifts, then what you would expect is that Paul would talk about spiritual gifts in the same way. Like, here, let me list all of these abilities. Let me, let me list your potential superhero traits. And then we'll build you as the perfect superhero Christian. Let's see if that's how Paul talks about spiritual gifts. So let's look in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers... To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So this is kind of the introductory one to kind of bring out a couple that are usually listed among those uh, super traits that we get. And and what we would say is, are you given the the gift of apostleship or of prophecy or of evangelism or of uh, the gift of being a shepherd or the, the, wait, see, even right now, I'm saying it like I'm qualifying it as I'm saying it. This is what I want to highlight as, as I go through this. When Paul talks about gifts, he doesn't list off talents. He lists off offices of the church ministries of the church, ministry positions in the church. He says, in effect, here's what God has given you. He's given you a gift built on the victorious work of Christ. If you read uh, prior to this, what leads up to uh, this in Ephesians chapter 4, based on the victorious work of Christ, he's given you these ministries, shepherd, evangelist, preacher, prophet, apostle. He's not given a talent He's given a role. He's given a ministry. The gift is not seen by Paul here as some particular inherent ability, but instead as a ministry and as a role, a job to do. All right, so let that kind of frame what we talk about as we keep on going. So turn with me now over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. A little bit more uh, full-throated discussion here. And then when we get to to 1 Corinthians 12, we'll really have the full-on, let's talk about all of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Same function, not same talent, same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he lays out all these. That's a good list right there. That's a good list of things that he's putting out. One thing that I want you to see about this list, and if you compare it with the other list that we read there in Ephesians, and whenever you look in, in 1 Corinthians, d- does it read to you, I'll just, put this, I'll just put this on you, and then I'll tell you what I think. Does it read to you like Paul is trying to give you an exhaustive list of everything the church does right there? It doesn't to me. I mean, it, you ask that question. I'm, I'm asking you, you, you come to that conclusion on yourself, by yourself. But I'll tell you, anytime I read these lists, I have never thought, you know what Paul is saying right here? He's saying this is the sum total of all the gifts that exist for the church. I don't think he ever says that. It's part of the reason why every time these lists are given, they're they're talking about different things. Because he's not trying to be exhaustive. I think all Paul is doing is he's saying, hey, the exact thing that we're doing. Let me look around the church that I'm a part of and let me see these things that people are doing. In those things, do it this way. I think that's all that he's saying. I don't think he's trying to say, here's the list, here's the gifts that are given to the church. Now, pick one. That's, that's your talent. That's what you get. Now, not everybody would say that that's how spiritual, that that's how it works. But there's a lot of people that would, if, if they're going to give you a list of gifts, they're going to draw it straight out of, of Romans and 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. And they're going to say, here's the list, pick your talent. I think there are almost endless spiritual gifts. If you have a way to serve somebody, that's your spiritual gift. Whatever that is. If you have a way to care and to serve someone... That is your spiritual gifts. This used to be a question that that Emily and I would talk about all the time. Like when we'd have our long drives going back home when we lived away, we'd talk about gifts and we'd say, well, hang on, before I I became a Christian, I had this, like, talent. I was good at this. I was good at this thing. So now that I am a Christian, does that now just automatically become a spiritual gift? How does that work? I don't understand. If, if, it, are, are gifts only given after you become a Christian? And so you get into these weird dynamics. Here's what I... I think what you're talented at, what you're good at, if you use that to serve others, that's a spiritual gift. The service to others, not the talent you've been given. The talent you've been given should be used in service to others. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me on the kind of nuanced difference in those two things there? We're not talking about abilities. We're talking about role. Function is the word that Paul uses here. Functions. So Paul says, don't think too highly about yourself. Don't get focused on yourself and the things that you have. Instead, realize that we all have different functions, different roles to serve, different parts to play, different ways to serve. And then he goes on to explain these different people that serve in different ways. Again, the focus on the service is not about obtaining or finding some latent supercharged talent. It's focused on how you do things for others. It's Paul's overwhelming focus. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just over a few pages in your Bible there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where things get real dicey when you start reading through 1 Corinthians. 
This is what makes your head spin in a few different things because we, we kind of get lost in some of Paul's arguments. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Gifts, service, activities. It talks about the same thing in three different ways. Three ways of talking about the same general type of thing. And what are these gifts for? The common good of others. Again, Paul, he, if you read through, first, this is what I think is crazy. When you read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we talk about spiritual gifts. We talk about the list that he puts out there. We talk about these wild and crazy things that we don't have a ton of experience with. We start talking about uh, tongues and healings and all this kind of stuff. What we don't talk about is what comes right in the middle of 12 and 14. That would be chapter 13. And what is 1 Corinthians chapter 13? You probably heard it read at a wedding. It's the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is Just go all the way through that. And his whole point, putting that right smack in the middle of all of that, is that that is the way that gifts are supposed to work. That is the way that we are supposed to work with our spiritual gifts. They are supposed to be done in love and for, the, for love and care of others. And yet we somehow extract this conversation about gifts to make it uh, about who's the, who's the strongest avenger of them all. Is it the pastor because he stands up here and he teaches? He's, he's like the, the strongest one of them all? Or, or is, it, is it the person who serves in the children's ministry because they're crazy? Like, are they the ones? Are they the ones that's the strongest the avenger of them all? Or is it the, the, the people who are standing up here teaching on Wednesday nights, answering really hard questions from students? Are they the strong? Which one is the strongest? And then that's how we decide, the, the ones that we make our spiritual superheroes. And if you're really good, you achieve like celebrity uh, status. And you get like way up there and you get an online platform and everybody flocks to you because you have been given an extra dose of super strong spiritual stamina. But that's not at all how Paul sees this. Not even close. What Paul overwhelming over and over and over and over says. These are given to you to make the body function the way it's supposed to. These are given to you because everybody has many parts and everybody has to play their role. Functions, roles, ministries, service. This is the language Paul couches all conversation about gifts in. Over and over and over. Go down a little bit further in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? interpret but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Again, this doesn't read as a list of talents but as a list of jobs these are job descriptions spiritual gifts are job descriptions that's a good little cliff note for you to hang on to they are job descriptions and what uh, what what bridges these last two so the beginning of first corinthians chapter 12 the middle of first corinthians chapter 12 what's right in the middle if you look at it, if you got your bibles open you can see the beginning of chapter 12 the end of chapter 12 what's in the middle an extended metaphor about the body 
It's how he couches all of this language. Paul's been asked this question by the Corinthians. This is why he brings this stuff up. He, he, he's saying, okay, you guys ask this question about people who have these different gifts. Why is it that some have this and others have this? Why is it that people have these different gifts, these different uh, abilities and talents? And he responds by saying, in effect, you're looking at this all wrong, Corinth. It's not about who has what talent and who gets to say what and how they get to say it and whether they get to say it on a stage or on a platform or whether they have to say it in a different way. You're looking at it wrong. It's about the role that you play in serving and caring for others. If you'll love people and serve people, you'll find your gift. Far better than a spiritual gift's inventory. If you'll love people and serve people, you'll find your gift. I am confident in that. Absolutely confident in that. But if you sit back and you say, let me just ask questions about myself that I'll answer half truthfully, I, you might find a gift. But if you'll love people and serve people, you'll find your gift because that is what the Holy Spirit empowers. He doesn't empower some kind of self, uh, self-proclaimed talent that puffs you up and makes you look good in front of others. In fact, I could make a pretty good case based on Paul's discussion about weakness that the more that you, sell, the more that you identify a talent and you say, I'm going to operate from my strengths, the less likely you are to be empowered by the Spirit. So we take where Paul says that, that weakness is how God will use us and we say, let me focus on my strengths and put my strengths out there. I think we get it all backwards. I think what Paul is saying is find a way to do, uh, to fill a role in the body that's not being done. Do it well. And whenever you do that, you'll know what your gift is. So if the question is, what comes first? The, the, the power or the task or uh, what we would say that the, the talent or the need, the gift or the need, I think the question, I think the answer is it's the need that comes first. And then you pray that God will give you the ability to meet that need. So you want to know your spiritual gift? Look around this body. Sit in here on a Sunday morning and say, what do we need? What are we missing? What would glorify God if I did this? Oh, I see this person sitting over here by themselves. I don't think they've talked to anybody. That's a need. If you would like, if you would like to know your spiritual gift, walk up and talk to that person. And you're like, well, I'm an introvert. That's not my spiritual gift. I don't have the gift of talking. Try it. Be awkward. It's fine. We're all awkward. It's fine. Go up and say, hi, I don't know you. Oh, you've been here for a year and a half? Well, that's awkward. But talk and get to know them. And here's what I think you're going to find. You'll be blessed in the conversation. And this is where we begin to understand how spiritual gifts work. We walk up, we talk to somebody, we meet a need, we fill a need, and then you are blessed whenever you do that. 
So there's two different ways that we talk about the word gifts in the English language. And I think we picked the wrong one when we talked about spiritual gifts. One is that like, like you know the talented and gifted class for like kids, which is always weird. Like, wow, they go, they're talented and gifted, but nobody else is. But like that, that thing, talented and gifted, we, we look at like, oh, that person is a gifted person. And what we mean by that is they have a special talent, ability. They, they've been given something that makes them special. But the other way we talk about gifts is something that you receive in the sense that you are passive and that it blesses you. And I think that's the right way for us to look at spiritual gifts. So what that looks like then is whenever you decide to do something to exercise a spiritual gift, what's really happening is you are being blessed. So you think, you know what, I I don't think I would be particularly good at anything. But I'm going to do whatever I can to help meet some needs and to help care for some people. And then what happens whenever you do that is you step back and you realize, you know what? That was, I was trying to give a gift to someone else, but I'm the one that received the gift in this. That's how spiritual gifts are meant to work. And I'm sorry if you guys are wanting a more full-throated kind of discussion about all these other things in there that... We don't have time for that this morning. There's a lot we still have to get to uh, this morning. But what I wanted you to see that Paul cared about more than anything is that we love each other and that we serve one another. So how do we apply this? You'll never see anyone in the Bible ever trying to find their spiritual gift. Ever. Not one time. There's not one example of that. But if it's truly spirit-driven, we will not draw attention to ourselves, to our talents, but we will simply try to give ourselves away and to serve others. I think C.S. Lewis's advice about humility helps us a lot here. It's not, about, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, it's about thinking of ourselves less. So how do you find your spiritual gift this morning? How do you find it? I, I think you, you, you do all the ways that the Bible tells you to do it. You search the scriptures. You spend time in prayer and you respond to the leading of the Spirit. You speak with godly counselors. You speak with ministry leaders that, that are uh, plugged into the things that we need. And when you find a need, when you find a need, you figure out how maybe what you've been uh, gifted or what you have, what you what you understand about yourselves, you find a need that meshes with your ability to meet that need, and then you've been given a gift, a ministry. The best way for you to find out what your spiritual gift is is you start asking people around you, how can I help? How can I help? Yesterday, whenever we, we did the telethon, I heard a couple of different people that that have uh, that, that have gone up to Elena in the process of this Isaiah 117 thing, and they said, I have no idea. Amanda shared this yesterday. said, I have no idea. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have any particular thing that I can offer here. But here's my question. How can I help? And then I think what the testimony would be, what she said yesterday, is that she's been blessed in that. She sought to give a gift to others, but she has received the gift. Do you see how that works? 
You want to know what your gift is? Start asking people, how can I help? And maybe that's in the context of this church. Certainly as the pastor of this church, I want to encourage you to do that. If you walk up to Shay this morning and say, how can I help? She's got two spots she'll plug you into right now. And you will be able to share the gospel with children. You will be able to pray for children. You will be able to see God work in their little hearts over the course of months and years and see them change and see them grow. By God's grace, maybe you'll be able to see them baptized. That will be a gift that you will receive even more than them. How can I help? I told Jordan I was going to be talking about this. She's like, if you get, tell him to get up here and play some music or some singing. You do need an ability for that, just to be clear. You do need to be able to, like, play something. You do need to be able to sing a little bit. But if you can, we need, we need more depth. And everything that you see that happens up here, drums, vocals, keys, guitar, all of it, we need more help. Andrew's asking me all the time, hey, we need people in the tech booth. We need more people. I heard him this morning recruiting some people. You only need kind of abilities for that. You can figure that one out. There's places to serve around here. But but maybe the conversation that you want to have, maybe the conversation that you need to have doesn't have anything to do with what happens here on Sunday mornings. Maybe it just has to do with fixing a meal for somebody. Maybe it just has to do with Caring for others in, in different ways that, that don't have anything to do with a specific ministry here at the church. Just start asking people, how can I help? Maybe you've got to couch it in those terms. I don't have much time. I don't have much money. I don't have many talents or abilities. And then be amazed what God does with those weaknesses. And you jump in there and you help. You receive. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put back in your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So when you exercise a ministry, you receive the gift. I think that's how it's meant to work. That's how it works in God's economy. so different than this world's zero-sum game. Instead, the more you give, the more you get back. I can't tell you how much joy it gives for me to be here with you on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are my favorite day of the week. As a pastor, Sunday mornings are what shape my world. It shapes my week. It shapes my thoughts. It shapes my time at work. It shapes my time away from work. It's not because Sundays are more important than any other day of the week because all of our life is to be God's, not just Sunday mornings whenever we gather together. It's not because our Sunday gatherings are even the most important part of what we call church. What happens on Tuesday night whenever you have someone over to your house for dinner from this body is massively important to what we do. What happens on a a Wednesday night whenever the students gather? What happens whenever you hang out with others? What happens whenever you call someone and say, hey, I just want to pray for you. How can I be praying for you? And I can make a pretty good case that that's more important than what we're doing right now. But I love Sunday mornings because I love being able to show up and see what happens here every single Sunday. 
I love it because we're all here, and I get to see you, and I get to talk with you. I get to teach, which is a gift in and of itself. But not only that, I get to observe the church at work. Why don't you listen to this? I get to see people hugging each other and laughing with one another. I get to see people with grown children serve families with young children in the nursery. I get to see talented people apply those talents for one purpose, to serve others. Our band gets together up here at a considerable cost to them throughout the week, to their families, to their own time. And they decide that they're going to lead you in song. Just for you. I get to see people that love children spend their week creating a lesson so that those kids can learn deep truths of the faith in ways that they understand. I get to see friends bringing gifts for friends that are preparing to welcome another baby into their lives. I get to see people that have stepped out of their comfort zone to respond to God's call, to stand up here and ask you to, to, to give money to a cause for someone else that has stepped out of their comfort zone. I get to see people that get here early just to make sure that the music sounds right and you have coffee to drink when you walk through that door. I get to see students work on a live stream that they'll never watch just so that people at home can be a part of what we are doing here on Sunday mornings. Before this day is over, I'll see people emptying trash simply because it needs to be done. I'll see multiple ministry teams meeting right after this service to strategize about how best to serve each of you in this room. About how best to serve people who aren't in this room and who we've never even met yet. I get to see men that choose to sit outside of our gathering simply to make sure that you'll be safe while we're in here gathered together. I get to see people show up every Sunday and simply say, I'll do whatever you need me to this morning. That's just in the last hour. If you really stop and watch, man, it'll take your breath away. It'll bring you to tears. To see all the things that the people of this church come together and just say, how can I help? I am here to serve you and to glorify Christ while I do it. That's what I saw in the last hour. Let's just talk about what I've seen in the last week. I got to see a college professor with a PhD handcraft a meal for about 30 men in this church just so they'll get together and talk about the Bible. I got to see other men stand over a hot grill in the 92-degree weather to help prepare that meal. I got to see a teacher organize a two-hour fundraiser with talent from all over Jefferson County just to raise $2,000 in a two-hour period. I got to see dozens perform magic, sing songs, dance, and play instruments in support of this goal. I got to see a volunteer show up fully on his own initiative to weed eat the grass out in the front of the, the church just because it needed it. 
I saw another volunteer climb in the dumpster to get something out of the dumpster to help someone that they've just met. I've got to see staff members prepare their instruments throughout the week and rehearse songs just to be able to lead you this morning. I received a note of thanks and encouragement from a church member who took the time to write about how much this church family has meant to them. It will change this church. It will change this community. It will change your life. And you will be the one that receives the gift. Will you pray with me? Father, what a joy it is to be here. To know that I can witness the ways that people have decided to serve each other this morning. Father, I do pray that all of this service is done to the glory of your name. And Father, I do pray that it is done in the example that has been given to us in Christ. Not that we should repay what has been done, but instead that we would be spurred on by what has been done. Father, it is truly a gift to be able to serve and to be able to bring some small part of your kingdom onto this earth. And Father, I pray that we would be renewed in that commitment this morning. To see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.